Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next interview was an absolute delight. It's with Amanda Lang, and we talked a lot about pretty much everything, actually. Uh, but mostly we talked about her new book, The Beauty of Discomfort, How What We Avoid is What We Need. It's about change, but it's about change as a skill, if that makes any sense at all. We talk about being behind the eight ball and about how we can fall into patterns of, of not paying attention. We talk about head-to-toe joy. How cool is that? And and about, um, you know, just being engaged. And we, we get into things like addiction-based science and, and what what does it mean to be, be to be sort of in in the middle of something called a habitual uh, comfort and 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 change is about what we choose it's about trust it's about choice it's about mindset and and as amanda w- is only going to be too willing to tell us it's about finding meaning in discomfort and i think that's a, a remarkable thing you're going to you're going to love the book uh, you're going to love this conversation amanda uh, also has a podcast coming up that uh, you're going to have to keep your eyes out for as well coming right up amanda lang don't forget davidpecklive.com for more information about my uh, writing and my speaking but uh, more importantly maybe even face to face live.ca for a whole uh, slew of new interviews in the last little while with the Toronto International Film Festival we've got some really neat ones coming up as well that are going to be published very soon and also rabble.ca for a whole lot more uh, uh, re- uh, writing and and podcasting about issues that matter coming right up Amanda Lang talking about her new book The Beauty of Discomfort Welcome to Face to Face. We are joined by a very special guest today. Amanda Lang is here with us today to talk about, I would imagine, a lot of things, but in particular, her new book, The Beauty of Discomfort, How What We Avoid is What We Need. Amanda, thanks for your time today. Oh, thank you. Yeah, really appreciate it. This is, uh, I love the book, by the way, and and right thanks. up right up my alley. So, so how is it that we avoid um, what we need? 
So, I mean, the big thing is we don't like change. Um, And I say we, and I mean the species, human beings. (laughs) Uh, Just not you and I, you mean? Just not the two of us? You're a change consultant, so I hope you're good at it. Although, you can probably relate to this. I I wrote this book about change, and then I had to go to say and say to people, don't mistake me for somebody who's better at change than you are. I'm not. I'm also... Um, The reason I wrote it is because... I'd written a book about um, curiosity and how that's kind of the natural underpinning of innovation and creativity, but also of living a a rich life, right? Right. Actually engaging and being present and asking the right questions are the secrets to not just unlocking business innovation, but also making our lives better. And there was a piece missing from that book that I only realized in the years after I wrote it, and that was even when we have the answer that we were looking for, we went to great lengths to get it and we did all the hard work, We don't act on it. We still let Mm. it sit there. And that's true for businesses that know they're being disrupted and they don't evolve or put a transformation plan, quote unquote, into place and then don't make make it work. And it's true for us. You know, you join the gym, but then you don't go. Um, So I started to to ask, what is it about change that we hate so much? And the answer is it makes us deeply uncomfortable um, to, to varying degrees, but deeply socially, psychologically, and neurologically uncomfort- uncomfortable. And I thought that was kind of worth digging into just a little bit. So so in, in The Power of Why, by the way, you've written two books that like are taking prominent places on my bookshelf. I mean, I, stu- oh, I studied philosophy for years, so so much more interested in the question, in a, in a sense, in, than the answer. And sure. and I'm a sleight-of-hand magician, so, I mean, wonder, curiosity, wow. mystery. I know, it's ridiculous, right? <laughs> so so you start the book off by saying, basically, it's, it's you know, how, how, you, you ask the question, you know, how do, how do we reignite that natural sense of curiosity? It is, do you think that is the beginning of change? Is that, is that sort of, like, was this the precursor to the beauty of discomfort in a sense? It is. I mean, a necessary condition for change, mm-hmm. personal or business, is awareness. Right. right. So we will do the same thing over and over. And this is where the neuroscience gets so interesting. Um, what we think of as our habits, are our brains are literally wired for uh, repetition, they're wired for sorting, they're wired for speed, all things that worked really well for millennia. Right. Um, and they really stopped evolving. Neuroscientists will tell you are around about the agrarian age. And so linearity and speed are the things we're good at. Complexity we're not good at. We're just not naturally good at it. And that's because complexity um, requires us to accept the ambiguity of life. It, it requires us to slow down. Except uh, that there's not just one right answer, there's many possible answers, and that the answer then changes the question you ask. Right? As a philosopher, you know all this. Mm. But most of us were just our neuroscience is against us from the get-go, and then you layer in a whole bunch of other kind of um, social norms right. uh, that you know we do. We we like to operate by rote. We like to embed skills wherever possible. So some of it's physiological, some of it's actually just how we've been uh, trained, and we're behind the eight ball. So the first step is. Why? What am I doing? Like, actually, literally, what am I doing in my day? How do I drive to work? What is my business? Uh, you know, how do I talk to my child? Just being awake and alert so, to the moment. So, Amanda, would you say you're you're about the incremental change, or are you kind of a, about the sort of um, hmm, <laughs> the Donald Trump like world change? The step change. I mean, either can come out of these moments. Sure. The power. So what I discovered when I, I mean, it's such a simple thing. It's not, the thing I, I say about the power of why is there's nothing in this book that you don't already know. Not right. a single thing. Yeah, you know cool. all of it's it. It's good. I love it. Uh, and I'm excited by that. I go and when I go talk to people about it, what I say is, 
you will, I'm just reminding you to do something you did quite naturally as a child and stop doing. And it's how your brain wants to function. So when you turn it back on, it's, the reward is immediate. It feels good. You'll be happier. And then, you know, I always think, you know, if you just think about your, your life, think about what you do, think about how you're behaving, the benefit, we know this, the benefit is obvious. We fall into these patterns and habits mm-hmm. of not paying attention. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, step one is just connecting, engaging. You know, we talk about workplace engagement. We, we're not engaged at work, but guess what? <laughs> that means we're not engaged at home either half the time. Uh, and that's a, a powerful change you can make for yourself. I love this notion of falling into a pattern of not paying attention. It just yeah. sounds it sounds kind of absurd in a way, but it, it really is sort of I mean it's you know you know let's let's quote a little philosophy here. Heidegger said you know you got to find the 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 uh, extraordinary and the ordinary the you know that average everydayness was anything but that. That's that's well, where that's, the stuff of life existed, right? Oh, that's so true, right? And and we you know we think of the moments of when we're when we. You know, those, you know, we, we sadly flew a few of them for us, but when you actually have experienced head-to-toe joy, and it's almost a physical feeling, like you feel it in your fingers and your toes. Mm, mm. Um, and I'm, I really believe that what you're feeling is utter engagement in that moment. You're not thinking of anything That's else. Good. You're not doing anything else. You are there. And it feels good. It's, our, our brain goes, ah, great. This is, you know, I'm all on right now, and that feels good. Yeah, there's something. I mean, boy, can't we all? Uh, wouldn't we? Uh, wouldn't Wouldn't it be a better place to live if we could all sort of live in the moment? And, yeah. Although, so know. so, and, and you would know this too from your work. We can't do that all the time. I mean, no, the of course our, not. The reason our brains turn off on us is because it's exhausting to be on. Mm. Um, and so, very the evolutionary trick we've developed is we we automate wherever possible. So automation is good. It makes you know. It's why athletes get into the flow. It's all the you know. It's, it's why you don't have to think about your commute to work. Uh, it's not a bad thing, but next level where you go, okay, I'm automating. Let me just take a second, check in. Should I be automating right now? Is this something to automate? Um, and, and make sure that you're not, because even things that have been good. For, so my sister's a runner, and she loves to run. It's how she gets her exercise. And she was recently given the advice that the problem with running is your body it actually stops being as good a workout because your body has figured out how to use as few muscles. <laughs> that's very funny. Right? Yeah, so it's, it's fabulous. Your, your core is less engaged or your arms are, you know, whatever it is. Your body is like, okay, this is what you want me to do. Fine, I'm going to only use your quads. Uh, so she's actually going to mix it up. And that, to me, that was a great metaphor for life. You know, we will figure out how to do something with as little effort as possible, but then we're not getting the benefits we thought we were getting. Speaking of little effort as possible, I'm, I'm going to read a quote here. So, quote, and this is you, by the way. You pr- you'll, you'll recognize these words. <laughs> but how do we resist the gravitational pull of comfort? One way is to simply think about comfort as a trap, not a cushion, as something that may harm you in the long run. To change, you have to turn your back on comfort and actively seek out and embrace discomfort, close quote. That's a pretty crazy statement, mm-hmm. it seems to me. And yet, you've made it. And you've made it uh, pretty much throughout. I mean, that's, that is your thesis, really, isn't this it? This is it, yeah. I mean, and so the way you'll note from the book that there's a fair amount on addiction science yes. um, in it. And the, the, the reason for that is twofold. One is because there's such great research that ties in um, what we know about plasticity in the brain and neuroscience with addiction. They're, they're kind of leading the edge on some of that behavioral stuff. Mm-hmm. But the other reason is I always find um, that the personal example resonates way much more. Uh, so, so if you take that example, what, you know, how do you turn away from comfort? Well, what is comfort? Comfort is this, the extra slice of pizza. 
Comfort is, you know, uh, the glass of wine or the cigarette you didn't really need. It's do things that we think are going to be key. We think they're comfortable because um, they, they're, they're performing something for us, and it'll be different with every example. If you take a moment and you go, is it really comfortable? Do I really want that piece of pizza, or is that serving some other need? You're turning away from the kind of automatic uh, habitual comfort of it, okay. and that's going to feel bad in the moment. In the moment, your body's going to say, "Yes, take it. You're hungry. Right. You know, have that cigarette." If you let those, and you actually pay mindfulness comes into play here. You pay attention to what you're experiencing, right? You connect with the moment. You realize actually the discomfort you feel in turning away is taking you to a good place. You're doing, you know, you're actually doing something that's good for you in the end. Then, so the, that's the beginning place, and lots of us get there. We don't really like it. If we can learn to actually see and feel viscerally that moment of discomfort as this is the doorway to goodness, this is a doorway to a better thing, that's a powerful tool. Um, and, you know, it's a very simple thing, and it's almost like muscle memory, but when you start to practice it, the people who have quit something will be, will be more familiar with this than others, but you practice it where it's like, I'm feeling uncomfortable, but I know in, in 90 seconds I will not be craving that cigarette any longer, and then I will feel happy and proud that I didn't have one. Well, and at that point, it's real. I mean, especially with something like an addiction like cigarettes or, or, or whatever the case might be, it really has to, it seems to me, be about that incremental Absolutely. choice, right? That, yeah. that responsibility for that 90-second period or whatever the heck it, it is. So the, to me, the power of that is we get that when it's about um, the, that feeling, the very powerful feeling to have a cigarette. I used I smoked for years when I was younger, mea culpa. Um, so so I, as a consequence, I quit for years, too, right. uh, until I finally did. Um, but when you are in the middle of craving a cigarette, you think you're going to drown or die or you cannot fight that urge. So we get that, and we get that it passes, and we're bigger than that. We don't then turn and say, okay, if you're an employee who's been asked to make a major change in your work circumstance, in some ways that feels as bad, Mm. and you need incremental successes. You need 90 seconds of relief from that feeling and a little little small victory that helps you get over it. Um, So to me it's just the the analogy works because we understand it so well uh, when it comes to our own cravings, and then we don't apply it to helping other people change. Well, and you're kind of, aren't you arguing that eventually at some point that you will, I mean, let's use the phrase tipping point, or you'll, you'll pass that threshold of pain, I suppose, with regard to change, and there will actually be, you know, pleasure, joy, uh, comfort, meaning found here. Absolutely. I mean, and we and we do. We know this from our own experiences of, um, of of being throwing ourselves into the deep end of something in life. Um, it's exhilarating, and it can be slightly addictive. Uh, and so, I, and I, in fact, in the book, you know, you meet some people who who definitely are in that place where they they live there. They want to feel that edge of discomfort because that's how they know they're growing and they're alive. Most of us don't have to go to the extreme on mm, that. Mm. But I do think, you know, we, as with anything else, you know, it's a bit like the muscle burn after a great right, workout. Right. We, we know that that's a good thing, even though, you know, technically our bodies should be saying, well, why did you do this to me? We're saying, well, we're, I just am getting stronger. That's what that means. It's the same thing. So in the, in the Power of Why, Amanda, you talk about Maria Valente, and, and she says that, that the, one of the ways that she, she, I guess, just sort of approaches every day is by asking the question, uh, asking the question what can I do better than I did yesterday. And so any, any insight and in how to keep that sort of front and center when 
you know, it seems like the world is falling apart around us. You know, the running late for, for a meeting, we've got a to-do list that's a mile long, flat tire, et cetera. Yeah, I, I loved Maria. And, you know, one of the reasons was um, partly because she epitomizes what we all wish we could be as, a, as an employee, for sure, as a human being. Her attitude, her mindset is so great. Um, and that's in the context of, you know, some tough stuff. She didn't have the easiest life. She doesn't have the easiest job. She's not a CEO. You know, it's really easy for Sheryl Sandberg to give us advice about how to be a better CEO. Right. Um, it, it's hard for somebody who's literally working in a garment factory to be that uplifting about the meaning of her life. So where that where the through line for me is, and I, and I touched on this in um, in the beauty of discomfort because it really. It is really something any of us can do. It has to do with mindset. And in the example I use in, in The Beauty of Discomfort, it's around gratitude. And I think Maria mm. might express it differently, but it's the same thing. It's, it's perspective, it's optimism, and it's a practice. It's not, you know, we like to think some people have it and some people don't. Right. It's actually a choice we make every day. And you can actually exercise your gratitude muscle every day. You can set yourself as a, a task every morning or every night. Uh, morning is probably better, but it doesn't matter. Write down what you're grateful for, five things you were grateful for today. And that's something as simple as that uh, will change your level of optimism and um, enthusiasm for what's happening in your life. And more importantly, of course, reduce your focus and attention on the negative. So to me, that was a story that was really about um, employee engagement and how curiosity makes her a better employee. She was literally asking this, this question every day that took her to a great place. The, the, I, I guess the sort of evolution of my thinking on that was it's also about developing a mindset that's very intentional. Hmm. Yeah, it's. I mean, one of the one of the threads that certainly runs it through. I would say pretty much every interview I do is this idea of freedom, choice, and responsibility. You know, it's, it's about intentionality. It's about, it's about getting out of bed with a smile on her face. And that's, yeah. that's not always easy, right? Definitely not easy. Um, and I think it, we, it is, what is easy is um, to get lost in the negative. There's some research that shows, um, just based on kind of, again, the way we're wired, our amygdala is a powerful part of our brain, the fight or flight part of our brain. We will pay 10 times, literally 10x, more attention to a negative thing than a positive. And evolutionarily, we understand why, right? The negative thing might kill us. The positive thing, we just might miss out. Uh, We understand why. But now that we we can graduate, right? The master class in this is, okay, now that we understand that, let's choose choose not to. Let's actually choose to focus on the positive because our brain is geared the other way. So we actually can give ourselves a leg up to overcome our our own wiring. That's what I find exciting, right? We're at this place where... The wiring is what it is. We're not, you know, 10, 10 million years from now, we may evolve and our amygdala might be the size of a, a grain of rice um, instead of an almond. I don't know. But right now, it's important, and we actually can use other parts of our brain to overcome it. That's exciting to me. It, it, it is exciting. It seems like there's, it's like if we could just, if we could all just get partially the way down the bridge <laughs> to, the right. other, to the other side, we're, we're going to be okay. I think that's right. What, tell me, tell me about the empathy toy and how that. I mean, it's such a great story. Uh, it sounds like such a great toy, but but I ultimately love some of the some of the some of the insights and some of the conclusions that come out of that story. 
Yeah, I mean, I loved it for for multiple levels. I mean, I loved the idea of it. Um, it fit right in with some of the kind of the questions I was doing. Even the way um, the development of the toy came came to it was sort of through this process of you know engagement, curiosity, allowing for failure. And honestly, as a parent, it really hit home. I mean, when I was when I was when I was talking with her and um, and handling this boy for the first time, I had a ten year old at home, um, a ten year old boy who does not like to be bad at things. Um, who you know who would rather not do something than fail at it, which I I will admit he comes by naturally. <laughs> um, so I was really intrigued. How do you teach your child uh, that failure is okay in yourself and others? Um, how do you teach them to get out of their own head and see things from a different perspective? Like all the things you want as a parent. Empathy sure. is probably top of the list. Right? Yeah, I, w- I would say so, yeah. Yeah, perspective, empathy, wisdom, it's all worth Yeah, crossing cultures, worldview. I mean, this is the right. fundamental stuff of change. Yeah, um, and I and anyway, I witnessed firsthand how he reacted to it, and it works. It's a great, it's a great toy. And, you know, and by the way, it's also a fun um, party game. You know, next time you've got a group of adults for, you know, a weekend together. Um, it's, it's a pretty fun game for grown-ups, too. Um, but it was, to me, it was one of those things where we can actually, again, we're thinking how we're thinking, we're thinking on how we're teaching our children. We don't have to do things the same way they've always been done because we're, we're smart and we understand how the brain works. Um, and I want next level for my son. I want him to do better than I was. Uh, so this was just a, a kind of a way, a delightful way to say, we can change this of ourselves in fun ways. Well, I, I love too the 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 way in the in the, in the book you talk about uh, um, uh, the quote. I think is is school is about schedules. You know, the worst thing you yeah. can do in a school is is hand something in late, as if that's really that bad, right? You know, I love that quote. You I know, love that quote. Yeah, yeah, schools, schools, in her opinion, the 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 inventor of the toy, are virtually useless when it yeah. comes to teaching kids how to be more creative and innovate. Therefore, how to actually change or how yeah. to how to how to actually manage this everyday stuff of life. No, it's so. Ilana Benari, who's the founder of this company, um, is clearly ahead of her time. So she's young, but mm. she's probably uh, I'm, I'm going to guess it, like 31 now. Um, and she was like so many people at school, out of place. Um, you know, those kids who are asking the right questions or are um, questioning the questions. Right. That's the one that yeah, really that's gets them in trouble, yeah, right? That's why, awesome. is that, why is that the question? That's right. Um, boy, that gets them in trouble. They, so, ahead of her time, didn't fit in. The thing I find so fascinating is, you know, there's actually new research that the brains of, uh, of younger, younger people, younger children, are different than our brains. Mm-hmm. But they actually, they are changing a little bit. They're able to do things because of their exposure to new technologies and, uh, you know, just their way of existing with each other in the world. Uh, so she's, I think she's really getting at something really cool, which is our whole scheduled, you know, the manager's in charge kind of linear top-down existence. It's not going to work for these kids. So we had better figure it out because they're coming crashing into our workplaces. Um, and our expectation that they're going to fit to us is probably going to cause some, some damage to us, not mm, that. Mm. I want to ask you a meaning in a second, but is there a way you can sort of draw a thread, and I, I mean, I know it exists, between um, Tristan, Dave Love, and the three-point shot? Is that is that a fair question? Can you, can, <laughs> can you give us the thread there? Well, I think so. So Tristan Thompson, um, Canadian basketball player for Cleveland Cavaliers, did something no NBA player has ever done in the history of time. 
and that has changed his shooting hand mm, mid-career. Such a great story. So terrifying. Um, change that's thrust upon us is, is hard enough. Change we choose is really hard. And going from, and by the way, going from great to greater, good to better, mm. that's good enough is often good enough for a reason. Uh, this guy had just signed a big contract. So, but he could, he, he could perform better. And the key reason for that is um, his great strength on the court is not shooting, was never going to be shooting. He's never going to be a Steph Curry. Um, but what he is is a great uh, defensive rebounder. He can get the, the ball back in his teammates' hands. So he's very useful on the court. And what they were finding was opposing teams would know that if they fouled him late in the game when the points mattered, he may not get the foul shot. Hmm. So he'd get pulled off the court by his own team because – he was a liability. So to become a better teammate, to better be able to perform for his, his team late in games, uh, Tristan Thompson needed to make this big change. Um, and to do it, he turned to this Canadian shooting coach um, named Dave Love. And Love has a very specific approach, which seemed really relevant. Um, it's, it's built on trust, first of all. When mm. you're asking somebody to make a big change, trust is a massive part of that. And you know that with people close to you, but with employees, it's something that often gets lost in the shuffle. Yeah. If they don't actually believe you have their interest in heart, right. uh, at heart, they're why, not going to do Why that. are you directing me this yeah. way? If they don't, and you're yeah. scaring me. Yeah, that's you know? right. Sure. Um, but, uh, but the other piece of it that is actually a strategy for change that I think is useful is a really, um, a really methodical approach. So what Dave Love does is go, um, he breaks down the shot into the increment pieces. So I went and actually had a, a session with him, and he was showing me how to shoot a basketball. Fun. Um, it was fun, and I mean, I, I can't shoot a basketball to save my life, but um, the positioning of your index finger on the ball um, and the positioning of your middle finger are critically important. Now, that may sound obvious, but lots of kids who are playing ball really well picked up a ball when they were, you know, five, and nobody ever really said if your middle finger is fractionally to one side or the other, this is what's going to happen. Right. Uh, so he breaks down the shots, but with the wrong hand. And so he and Tristan were able to um, get through the really hard psychological leap of what the heck am I doing? Because if this fails, what have I just done? Right. Um, you know, I've signed a contract. I'm a successful ball player. So, and that also allowed him to reinforce the trust, which is, you know, we're taking this in small steps. There's going to be small wins along the way, but you're going to have to pay attention to the change as it's happening. Um, so the methodical goes with a little bit of focus of mindfulness. Right. I just so love it on so many levels. You've got coaching, you've got the willingness, you got left hand to right hand, you've got three point shot. I mean, what a beautiful metaphor that is. No, I, I love it too. And it's I'll just tell you genius. one thing that's, that's also great about it is he will tell you that there's a, a point in his coaching with these kids. And I say kids because they are really young men. Sure. Um, where they've got it. And he said, that's the most dangerous point of all. They've got it. And he has to say, no, you don't. You're just on, you're on the ladder, but right. if, you, if you think you've got it right now, you will go back to your old ways in a heartbeat. Uh, so that's that for, you know, the, and that, when we're changing, that's a big part of the change cycle, right, is staying in the change. It's not like it's something, it's not binary, you don't change and, right. you know, you don't quit smoking and stay quit. You quit smoking and you quit every day. Well, I think that's a, a real, really important lesson about the beauty of discomfort is that it, it, this is going to take some time, folks. There is a commitment here. It's, you know, and, and what about the community around you, right? That's right. Where, yeah. are you, where are you drawing support from? Where are you recharging? I think that's right. I mean, I hope... Um, the two, the, the two messages, I mean, from, from Power of, of, uh, of Why and Beauty of Discomfort, the thing to me that 
that resonated for me, and I hope that's for others, is uh, this isn't hard stuff. It's actually fun stuff. Right. You may not right. be thinking about it, and it may feel uncomfortable because it's new and it runs counter to your habits. And But when you do it, the payoff is genuine, uh, mm. it's immediate. It's, mm. The curiosity and engagement are just instant payoffs. Um, even if you do it, you know, once a week, you know, it doesn't right. matter how little of that you do. It's better for you than not doing it. And then just using this, just the, the uncomfortable reaction you get to change as a flag, a little mental flag to say, oh, I'm in that zone. Now I should be paying attention. What should I be doing? Well, I wouldn't it be interesting if we could sort of, I hate the phrase rewire because it's almost too deterministic in a way, but if we couldn't get to a place where if you're in that zone, you go, oh, this is actually going to lead me to a good place rather than say this is uncomfortable or this is so causing I me. Must, I must say I'm a big believer that you can 100% do that. Mm. Um, and I do think we, I mean, so it, it's interesting. I don't know where you are on meditation and, you know, um, but there's a lot of growing body of research that we can rewire, right? Yeah, that we actually yeah. can change our neural pathways, um, which is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> yeah. So, well, it, it, yes. yeah, and, and I had a friend, <laughs> I had a friend uh, who for, for many, well, and many, many years, just that you, you are who you are, you know, you're, you're, right. you're not going to change, you know, you, and re- I mean, to the point, you know, old, you just can't teach old dogs new tricks, right? Period. So, so well, why, this is why the whole um, the whole Carol Dweck mindset research, right? There's oodles of research now that shows mindset does make a difference. Mm. The, the fixed versus open, right? Um, but you don't have to. It's not preordained. You can change if you feel if you if you ask yourself, "Am I a pessimistic person?" And the, the sad answer that comes back is yes. Don't accept that. You can get optimistic. Sure. Go go do some research. Do some gratitude work. Uh, we can totally change. It does take that takes effort. But that's okay. I, so so far. That's my favorite line. Do some gratitude work. Sounds like a T-shirt. We could both make <laughs> a lot of money off of that. I think. <laughs> tell me. I think you might be right. Tell me about. Um, and we're going to sadly going to have to wrap this up soon. I hope we can do a part two down the road. But how how do you? Hmm. You talk about finding meaning that justifies the discomfort, and you have examples of that. And I think the whole book, frankly, is an example of that. <laughs> but could you kind of could you could you could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I wanted to. Um, sometimes the discomfort, the change we're adapting to, is not change we choose. It is it is something that feels very external. Now we often play a role, of course, uh, maybe bigger than we were imagining. But it feels like something that's happening to us. Mm. Um, and I thought, you know, how do we... Like, circ- almost, uh, Amanda, almost circumstantial, like a, a, a divorce, for instance? Could that... Exactly. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Um, or being, being fired. Right. Or your house burns down. Sure. Or yep. the, the example I used, and it, it's intentionally an extreme example, was Meher Arar. You know, this Canadian man who, yep. he, to this day, if I say Meher Arar, some proportion of people think, oh, that's the terrorist. Mm, it's a, cra- it's a crazy story. Crazy story. Um, he is as blameless a human being as you can find. But his name, he, so, and he was, so the short story, he was detained illegally um, by U.S. authorities, but on Canadian authority information, shipped back to Syria, tortured for two years, eventually released, um, and then fought to clear his name. And then eventually a huge commission cleared him 100%. Um, he, did, he had done nothing wrong. It was, it was, the whole thing was awful. And yet, he lives with not just the scars of torture, not just the lost uh, time with his life and his family, but also the knowledge that his reputation is forever tarnished, right. forever. And and when I met him, he's this kind of peaceful, gentle soul. And I said, how on earth are you not angry? We mm. have is that. Mm. And 
the answer for him was there was a meaning in all of it. The meaning was rendition, this practice by which U.S. authorities ship people back to countries without due process, um, knowing they're going to be tortured, was shut down. And he said if, if, if one person, i.e. him, had to go through something to make sure nobody else did, well, that's probably worthwhile. Right. And he's, he was able to put, he was able to find a reason this horrible thing had happened. And I thought, God, if he can do that, surely to goodness we can find a meaning in the things that we go through, which are less, much less dramatic, although you know, can, be, can be very painful. So good. I'm, it's breaking my heart that we got to wrap this up in a couple minutes. Can I read another quote? Is that okay sure. with you? Yeah. Being being alert, and and this is this is I, uh, so fascinating to me. For you, for you, change is a skill. Yeah, it's something that can be honed. It's something that can be developed. It's it's clearly we I, maybe is is there a mentorship program on this? Is there is there an <laughs> apprenticeship program on this? I got to do twelve hundred hours on change. Maybe is that what we're talking about here? <laughs> Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.